Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's head to the phone lines right now and head to Titletown, USA, Kansas City, Missouri, as they celebrate their Super Bowl 57 championship. Very happy to be joined by Josh Klingler, who does sidelines for the Chiefs Radio Network. Kling, how you doing, my man? Yes, it is Titletown. I mean, uh... The parade cleanup is still underway. They need to clean up downtown Kansas City for the draft in, what, just uh, just over two months from now. So um, I guess that was the audition for where the draft's going to take place. So if anybody watched uh, what went down on, on, on television on Wednesday with the, uh, with the Chiefs parade, that's the location of where the, uh, the draft is going to be. I don't know if it'll be fully red like it was the other day, but, uh, yeah, uh, nice insanity to end the season. So, Kling, you do sidelines for the Chiefs Radio Network. You were at the Super Bowl. Take us through the third down so Mahomes' ankle gets twisted up a little bit. He's hobbling. There was a certain gasp at my Super Bowl party, and I looked at the clock and said, well, hey, he's not going to go back on the field for another 40 minutes just because halftime's coming up. They had to punt the football here. I think he's going to be fine. Take us through that stretch of the game where Pat gets injured a little bit. He walks off to the sideline. Well, I mean, you kind of have to take your cue sometimes from the player, and there wasn't a lot of medical attention. I mean, there was a little bit right at the beginning, and then he basically shooed everybody away. And so got rid of the, the, the trainers and anybody medically while Chad Henney, the backup, was, was throwing some passes along the sidelines. Mahomes was sitting on the sidelines in a tremendous amount of pain, and that's the first time that, that we had seen him actually kind of show – fully how hurt he was even uh in earlier playoff games he didn't really give you the look like he was he was hurting he definitely was but he was in a tremendous amount of pain and so as soon as he waved off the trainers I'm like well it doesn't matter can he be as effective we would have to see but as soon as he waved off everybody and said you know I'm not coming out of this game and at that point he went and stood along the sidelines as well you knew that it was going to be okay um now has he defied the odds in all this? Probably so, but you weren't pulling him out of that football game by any stretch of the imagination. Take us through the end of the game, and a lot has been made about the penalty, the call against James Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster. The part of this controversy that doesn't make sense to me is everyone acknowledges that it's a penalty but then doesn't want a penalty to be called we get mad at the officials for making incorrect calls or not making the right call, yet we're mad that they made the right call. The whole logic in it be- becomes very circular to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. You were on the sideline and while this call happened. What's your take of the controversy and the call for defensive holding on James Bradbury? 
Well, the interesting part, now, it was a majority Eagle fans in, in the stadium. Um, it was a bigger deal on social media than it was actually in the stadium. I didn't feel like that it was as big of a play watching it live as it was to see what the reaction was like outside of the stadium. And there wasn't like it was, you know, Eagle fans throwing cans and bottles and, and being all ticked off. Did they, did they boo? Yeah. But I felt like it, it, it really exploded on social media way more than it did in the stadium. And then my question is, I mean, we have to decide, I guess, as a, as a football fandom. Um, so do we want the last, uh, I don't know, four minutes of any particular game to just be a free-for-all? That we don't want penalties called in those situations. So whatever goes, goes. I don't think we want to be there. We don't want, um, you know, blatant hits on a quarterback or something in the last few minutes where you can just uh, – uh, you know, haul off and, and, and deck somebody. So I guess we just have to decide what we want it to be. I just assume be in the camp of uh, let's get the calls right. And if it's a, if it's a big play, it happens to be a big play. I thought Patrick Mahomes, and I don't remember which of the, you know, afterwards interviews, it might've been like a day later was asked about it. And then I thought he had a great answer. It was like uh, almost like a humble brag. He said, you, you really think I'd have thrown it that uh, far away from him if I didn't expect him to be there? Like, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't open because the guy held him. And so I thought that that was great. Like, I'm not that inaccurate. So if I'm putting the ball somewhere, I expect my guy to be there. And the reason he wasn't, it was because he was held. Yeah, I thought that immediately when it happened. Like, I actually thought Mahomes kind of overthrew him a little bit to really emphasize the point. Because if you go back and you watch the video, Mahomes immediately throws the ball and starts pointing at where the penalty is. I thought it was gamesmanship by him mm-hmm. to maybe overthrow it by a yard and then instantly let the officials know, hey, <laughs> there was a penalty that just occurred. See, he's that good, right? He's that, he's, he's that good. He was. He's going to throw it three yards past him on purpose, just knowing he's going to get the flag. But, no, it's a, and I think James Bradbury should have also – I mean, he d- should have diffused the entire situation when he owned up to saying, no, I, I, I held him. That, that should be the end of it for me but I just go back to I don't want I don't want games to be completely you know lawless in the last five minutes just because oh you shouldn't make a call on that point of a game no um the calls still have to be right and when they're a big play and the Chiefs were trying to take advantage of a very aggressive defense hey yeah they 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 earn themselves a flag in that scenario so there was a story yesterday on SB Nation and the headline of the story said the Chiefs are also the Super Bowl champions of gaslighting Nobody said the Chiefs were bad. Stop lying. The story then goes on to say it feels like I'm taking crazy pills. Nobody said the Chiefs were done, nor did anyone say that this team was rebuilding. Now, I understand you and I know this a little bit more closely because we live in Kansas City. That's not true. I do think there's some nuance and there's a middle ground in this. I don't want to make it seem like the Chiefs were this plucky upstart team that, you know, they're Jacksonville or they're the Lions that just – oh my goodness, how do we win the Super Bowl? That certainly wasn't the case. But I do think that the national conversation around the Chiefs was that Buffalo was too good, Cincinnati had passed them, the AFC West was going to be so difficult to navigate this year that it felt like the window for this Super Bowl team had closed and they would have to reopen another one. So I do think Chiefs fans get the ability to kind of pat themselves on the back and tell the rest of the NFL country that you didn't believe in us this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's twofold. One, I think there was a little probably Chiefs fatigue, and there's always a race to anoint the next. And so it was trendier to pick uh, Buffalo or it was trendier to pick the Chargers to win the AFC West. And 
And and then also the the, the Tyreek Hill cloud. Uh, what are they going to do about Tyreek? I mean, I got asked about that every week of the season, even before and after the Super Bowl. I mean, that's a question that they have had to 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 deal with all season long, and the, and the doubts that they could overcome losing a very talented wide receiver um, were answered. So I think there's a little bit of beating on the chest about that as well. And then. I mean, in AFC West country, the Chargers are picked all the time, and it, it's infuriating to Kansas City fans. It's it's infuriating probably around the rest of the NFL that the Chargers never come through, right, when they're picked seemingly. And so I think there's a lot of, uh, yeah, you were against this. It wasn't everybody, clearly. But I think that the Chiefs fans and some Chiefs players probably had their certain list of people that they that they had on the list, right, that uh, the, the Bart Scott of ESPNs of the world who picked them not to make the playoffs I mean, that was a resounding theme all season long. So I think that they, they picked their list, and then I think it broadened as the, as the parade happened and, you know, Travis Kelsey's on stage. I guess it was probably Travis Kelsey after the game, I guess, first and foremost, right, where uh, nobody believed in us. Yeah, that's a little bit far-fetched. There were plenty of people that believed in you, but everybody did point out the ones that didn't. Right now we're talking to Josh Klingler of the Chiefs Radio Network. He does sideline for them about the Chiefs' Super Bowl 57 win I want to get your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy is interviewing right now for the offensive coordinator position with the Washington Commanders. This feels like a desperate man move to me. I've interviewed 17 times for head coaching jobs. I haven't gotten the opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League. This is the last thing I think they want to see. I know I've had success as an offensive coordinator, but because of Andy, because of Patrick Mahomes, I got to go somewhere and prove that I can do this, which I don't agree with, I don't like, but... Life is life in this situation. I'm just disappointed that he has to go to Washington. You think about how stable and good of an organization that Kansas City is. Washington is the exact opposite. That seems like a job that gets you fired in a year. Yeah, I, I've said that Eric Bieniemy should be talked about right now as a coach on the hot seat, meaning he should have had a job like three years ago. He should be in that window, that window of a coach who's who's teetering in a franchise decides like if he wasn't successful. He should be up for being possibly fired right now, let alone hasn't been hired yet. It's ridiculous. And it's ridiculous to think you have to go somewhere else to prove yourself. You're going to go to Washington and what? What uh, Can you get that to be a, a top 15, and I may be generous here, a top 15 offense, and that makes you somehow a better head coaching candidate? It makes zero sense. Calling plays also does not equate to being a good head coach. It is how you lead uh, a team of football players. And I think Eric Bieniemy has those leadership characteristics and has had them that he should have already been a head coach. I guess the credit could be saying for him, like if you really want to do this and it, you go there and then nobody hires you, then you got to put your hands up and say, I've done everything you've asked of me. This is ridiculous. Um, I, I, I don't understand. He's out of contract with the chiefs. And that's the thing here too. So he was not, he was on a one year come back and I think the Chiefs honestly thought he was going to graduate at some point essentially that he would be a head coach uh, Matt Nagy the former Bears head coach the former offensive coordinator was the quarterback's coach this past year um, they kind of brought him back with the assumption that that Eric Bieniemy was going to have another job and so they kind of waited for him to graduate waited for him to graduate it hasn't happened and now I think he's trying to probably take the the best scenario he can to put his thumbprint uh, exclusively on an offense and see if that's enough to attract a team to hire him. It's it's ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense. I guess I'll credit him for realizing that's the scenario, even though it stinks.
And the whole conversation around calling plays, it would make sense to me if every coach that gets hired is the one that calls the plays. But, I mean, we just saw Nick Sirianni in the Super Bowl. He he didn't call the plays when he got hired. Zach Taylor didn't call plays for his team when he was there. Mike McDaniel didn't call plays when he was in San Francisco. Like, we can find examples of recent head coaches who have been hired who haven't been the play caller for now this to be the only expectation for Eric Bieniemy that, hey, I know you were part of this very successful offense, but we don't really think that it's you, so now you have to go somewhere else to improve us. The logic just seems very backwards to me when it comes to him. It absolutely is. I, I want a head coach, is that a guy that I will follow? And if you are able to be fortunate enough to have a conversation with Eric Bieniemy, you'd run through a wall for that dude. I don't care if he calls a play or not. Would I follow him into football battle? Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's the thing. I, I've never understood the, uh, the play calling uh, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and how that directly translates to how you're going to be as a head coach. It, it doesn't. Now, is it nice that you've led one side of a, of a group of a locker room and, and been a manager and orchestrated? Sure. It doesn't ultimately result in what's going to be the success as a head coach. A head coach is a vastly different beast. Eric Bieniemy has all the qualities to to be a leader of a team, and it's it's unfortunate that he has to go through this stuff because it it's not right. Last question here, Kling. I consider the Chiefs to be a dynasty. I think if you look at the history of the NFL, there have been about seven or eight franchises that sort of planted their flag to let you know that we were here. The Steelers did that in the 70s. The Niners did it in the 80s. In the 90s, it was the Cowboys. The Patriots did it for basically 20 years. I think Kansas City winning the championship on Sunday planted their flag as this era, this time in the National Football League, post-Brady, is our time. We have been the best organization. We have won the most. What we've accomplished is comparable to most teams in history. I think this is a dynasty. Would you agree? Yeah, well, you look, you named a bunch of those teams and, you know, from our younger days, right? Those were the it teams of those. It, it feels like a, like a case of semantics to me. Like, what, what do you want dynasty to mean? I, to me, it's, it's the team that's the most dominant in their era. And this team's looking like it's the most dominant in its era. The last five-year run can't be disputed. Now that you capped off a second championship, it certainly can't. And if, if no one wants to crown them today, I guess that's fine. Uh, you got the best head coach in the league. You got the best quarterback in all the uh, the NFL, and uh, a team that was a Super Bowl contender that added what ten draft picks, and almost all of them contributed last year. And they got twelve picks coming up for this draft. The NFL's in some trouble because they're drafting well, in addition to having the best head coach and the best quarterback going. So you're gonna again, you're gonna have to deal with the Chiefs for a while because this thing doesn't appear to be closing anytime soon. That is Josh Klingler of the Chiefs Radio Network joining us on the show today. Kling, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Anytime, Carrington. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.